Welcome to another episode of Toast and Jam. I'm Alex. I'm Nate. And this is Brian. So um, today we're going to talk about Plush by the Stone Temple Pilots, or STP, if you uh, if you guys will. STP, like super toilet paper? Super <laughs> toilet, toilet paper. paper. like that? Right? Yeah. Actually, what, um, what was the... They pulled their name from like a symbol, STP. What was the name? It was, so, yeah, no, that was... Uh, they actually got that idea from uh, the oil treatment, the old STP, you know, Richard Petty, that whole bit. There you go. That's yeah. it. Yeah. No, there's, there's a whole actual story behind that. So they're an American rock band from San Diego, California. San Diego. Diago. Not Seattle. A lot of people actually <laughs> think they're from Seattle. It's true, because they Cause came out around the same time as all the... They're associated Seattle. with that grunge act. Everyone thinks they're from Seattle. They're from San Diego, man. I remember watching, when I was in high school, I remember watching an episode of um, Saturday Night Live, and David Spade used to do like some bit on the morning, or the, the weekly news update or whatever, and he was talking about Stone Temple Pies. They got a really bad rap for some reason. I don't really know why, but they got a really I bad rap as why being... why would have. Well, they got a bad rap for being a grunge wannabe, so... I remember they're, they're not real grungers because they weren't from because they weren't from Seattle. Okay. And I had heard that there was, or actually the the joke was from David Spade was like, "Oh yeah, I liked them the first time I heard them when they were called Pearl Jam." <laughs> oh. <laughs> think, That's I, so wrong. Yeah, exactly because oh. I'm I am one of those I am one of those music listeners where I'm like, there could not be a bigger difference between Pearl Jam and Stone Temple Pilots. Like they're, well, they're I'm, same I'm, same time frame, but yeah, very but I'm going to throw myself different. under the bus. I'm sitting here going, oh, what song are they playing? Oh, this is this is a Pearl Jam song, right? Like, <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> oh, my bad. One, you're victim. one of them. Oh. Okay, so uh, the original lineup consisted of Scott Weiland, lead vocals, and brothers Dean DeLeo, Robert DeLeo, and uh, Eric Kretz was the drummer. And they were formed in 1989, which is crazy because I think they're – this single, this one hit in 93. It did. They recorded this in 92. It came out in, uh, it was actually May of 93. So when they released this one from the Core album. It's the second single from the 1992 debut album, Core. Mm -hmm. Which, I remember when that album came out, this was the song, I didn't even know they had a first song. What was their first song? Oh, I thought this was their first one too. Because this is the one I remember that I was like, wow. This look, is the first time I heard them. Exactly. Song. I did the same thing. It was it, To me, it was bigger than whatever they released the first one. Yeah. I, I always saw this song because I have that that image in my mind of Scott Weiland and his, he had like pink purple hair in the video. Super like red, vibrant. Right, exactly. To, to me, this is one of two songs that completely ushered in the 90s and said, bye bye hair metal. All right, so what was the other one? <laughs> it smells like teen spirit. Oh, of course. Okay, there you, you go. Know, not Nirvana. At least you had that right. It did, yeah. No, again, not, <laughs> and again, not Nirvana's like best song ever, but... Man, no, that but, song at that time and plush, it was like, hello, 90s. Yeah, I, I hear that. I, I think I could see that. What was yours, Nate? Snoopy 90s. Double G. <laughs> but yeah, you know what? That, but that was it wasn't quintessential it wasn't, 90s. Like, it, it, it wasn't was Rico just, Suave. I mean, that was 90s, right? That was a good one, too, actually. Now that you say that. You got me. Now you got me confused. Rico. So this song Plush won a ton of awards. Uh, MTV Video Music Award for Best New Artist. It won for Billboard Music Award Number One Rock Song of the Year. American Music Award for Favorite Pop Rock Song. Billboard Music Award for Top Modern Rock Act of the Year. And it actually won a Grammy for Best Hard Rock Performance. Which now, like Grammys, I mean, it's all pop music. I'm surprised. I'm surprised they even have 
rock category still in the Grammys because it doesn't mean or matter to no. anybody else. Yeah, I, d- I don't. I don't even watch. it. They really do that, that during reason. the commercials, right? That yeah, we're no category. <laughs> <laughs> While you were gone, yeah, best rock just, song, best just, alt rock song. They just do the highlights <laughs> when they come back. And yeah. <laughs> it's like the new scroller. Oh, by the way, so and so got an award, but you know, let's <laughs> get back to Bieber now. You know. <laughs> It's true, man. I don't know. I mean, rock is completely kind of wiped off. It's so different. Yeah. And rock rock radio stations, even on the radio, like they're just they're few and far between. It's all yeah. pop. It is. There's there's such there's such a mix of pop. a lot of these stations now playing it's it's old and new and stuff that's kind of more even adult alternative, not necessarily rock, but it's playing on the local rock station. What's the difference between alternative and adult alternative? <laughs> so I would say... I hate seeing those categories. I'm like, what know, does this mean? Does this... I don't I like this. So, so uh, not that I don't like it. I don't know. Think of like new style. Think of like, you know, MGMT, you know, or something like oh, that. Is that or, that's alter- that's adult that, rock. That adult alternative? Possibly. Mm. Something that's just a little different. Yeah, see, in the movie industry, those two don't really fit together. So no. it's like, you know... <laughs> adult, adult movie. And... Sorry. Nice. Yeah, when you're talking movies, we're talking a whole different genre. <laughs> yes. So when this song first came out, when these lyrics started going, like I remember my mom making fun of the lyrics, like the dogs begin to smell her. Like, what does that mean? I, what is he talking? I just heard that for the first time. Like I've heard this song. Yeah. But just listening to it with you guys playing it. Um, it, like, dude, that's I, what he was saying. Yeah, no, exactly. I can understand Alex. Can't understand him. <laughs> so what does that mean, though? Like, I, what is that? The dogs begin to smell her, and and I always thought it was just the weirdest. Men, men smell her. That's that's what is I'm. That, is that what you? That's my assumption. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So during an episode of VH1 Storyteller, Scott Weiland finally opened up about the meaning of the song, and he says they were inspired by a true story. A girl was kidnapped and then later found murdered in San Diego back in the early part of the 90s. And that was kind of the fuel to to start the song or to start the lyrics of the song. Wow. And then but then he went on to say, however, this is not what the song is really about. It's sort of a metaphor for a lost obsessive relationship. Mm-hmm. Yep. So. Wow. And, and, and to me, that that makes sense. Like when the dogs begin to smell her. Mm-hmm. So they bring out, you know, the sniffing dogs to kind of find out where her her corpse is like that makes sense to me yeah. it, it does given that backstory of the whole oh well this this person who was found murdered gave me the fuel to write it it really just kind of gave him that spark that inspiration but it's easy to see how it was directly about that like oh they're looking for this person. it was directly about that exactly. yeah exactly yeah. and yeah. so it's easy just, to see how that can happen it almost makes me think that he doesn't know what the hell he was writing about. <laughs> right. just, very possibly like, <laughs> not he's like how am i gonna finish this song he turns on the news yes yes <laughs> done dogs begin to smell her so, those songs they morph sometimes though they mean something when they're written and then they turn into something later that happens a lot in i music. mean it it really does you know i, I mean coming from somebody who's written rock lyrics who i mean historically rock lyrics don't really need no. to they don't need to mean <laughs> and a lot you know, of times like, they don't exactly you just kind of <laughs> string words and 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 phrases together to kind of make that song work and you know it's some work and some don't but i mean if you take any bush song from the 90s what the hell did those what are they talking mean? about like, are i they totally talking agree about? i don't understand what any of that means Mm-mm. but that's why I kind of always thought like like rap or hip hop like you could actually follow the thread like there's actually totally. you could follow it way more because not it, a lot of this new mumble rap 
But I, I don't want to. So, yeah. I don't want to go there. That, yeah, anyway, I don't want to go there either. Because <laughs> let's go back to gangster rap. <laughs> yeah. Good stuff. No, there's just yeah, there's story. It's there's story. stories. It's story driven and it's storytelling. It's storytelling. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Not Whereas, not a lot of not a lot of metaphor. It's pretty straight up. And I think that's that's the biggest thing about a lot of like a lot of um, rock music in general. It's there every the true meaning of the story is kind of all buried in metaphor. And it's it's a form of poetry where you're not talking about you're indirectly talking about something. But yeah. it's it's just you're kind of skirting the edges of it or you're using fancy or, or pretty language to to disguise the meaning of what you're actually saying. Yeah. There's scores of songs that are out there that they say, Oh, well, this song isn't really what about what you think it's about. Right. Especially once it goes mainstream. They're like, Whoa, <laughs> Let's not tell anyone what this is about. Exactly. <laughs> right. Exactly. And then you find out, and you're like, "Why is my kid listening to this?" <laughs> you're like, "Oh my gosh, we can't, we can't let him listen to that." Well, I mean, a lot of the songs that we're actually planning on doing on this podcast, I, I'm looking at a lot of these songs and thinking, "Wow, they're all, they all kind of feel, they're really dark. Yeah, they're really, really dark." I mean, and we picked, we picked a, a genre, the '90s, the early '90s specifically. We picked a genre. And, that a and, lot of and, good music came from, and a time frame, a time frame of music that there was a really dark kind of pattern to a lot of the grunge and and um, a lot of the grunge, you know, and and rock early '90s kind of genre. It, it just it is, it's dark. It's, a lot, it's, a lot of their, I mean, even a lot of the tones. It, it was this kind of a little bit of a low tune, kind of breeding chords. You know, it kind of seemed, oh, what dark is going on here? And then you listen to lyrics and you go, oh, what's this really about? And, you know, then you hear about, you know, this this murder that took place. And, yeah, no, it all just, it really all ties together in that. And it kind of makes it really mysterious, a little dark. Yeah. But very cool at the same time. And so as I was looking at this song in particular, as I was looking up information, like, it, it really just kind of comes back to these two things. He says it's a it's a obsessive relationship metaphor but it's also was inspired by a kidnapping and murder in San Diego when he was writing these lyrics. And it, and it doesn't really narrow it down anymore to anything more than that. Um, so it, it seemed pretty, what was the it's first pretty part cagey. Of that? So obsession. He says it's a metaphor for a lost obsessive relationship. relationship. Okay. Lost obsessive. Yeah. Like, like the whole song's a metaphor for, for a relationship that, that lost. It didn't happen. It didn't work. So he's the one that, killed her and then the dogs go sniffing for her i don't know you're it, just tripping me out the way the first part <laughs> that you put out there like i don't know sorry it, no it, it's it's complete well that's just the thing it's it's cagey it's cagey at best like yeah. the, the answer is cagey at best and that which which kind of makes me think like well, maybe he didn't really know what the hell he was writing about or Ma- maybe exactly well again that did happen he was writing that so happened you're a saying lot. is scott wyland was, was the murderer he's innocent until proven guilty dun. but i think we might have just stumbled across something oh, my gosh. oh man see after we just all these years has, has that murder old. gone unsolved do you know which one he you was know, talking about no there 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 isn't he didn't again it was something he saw on the news it's not like he said Oh, the so-and-so murder inspired me to write this song. He just really kind of casually says, you know, I saw this this news story once and it was about this this person who was kidnapped. And I mean, unfortunately, that happens so much that I mean it could be anybody. 
I mean, it could have been someone in San Diego. It could, it could have been he's something he saw on a national news level. That could have been in some other state. Who knows? Yeah. It was never actually said. Oh, it was about this particular person in this particular you know time frame. I think we should put our stamp on it right here, I think right so. now. That <laughs> Scott Weiland. The name of this episode is going to be like <laughs> "Murder it. Solved?" Oh. Question <laughs> mark. <laughs> Scott um, Weiland murdered somebody, and and he wrote a song about it. I he, I like it, and he wants us all to figure it out. Yeah, this this was a small confessional. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Oh my this, god, Scooby Doo. Is behind it. He's 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 down. Yeah. And Scott would have got away with it too if it wasn't for you pesky kids. <laughs> so as we all know, December third, twenty fifteen, Scott Wyland was found dead of an accidental drug overdose of alcohol, pills, and cocaine on this tour bus in Minnesota. It doesn't sound like an accident. It sounds like he took them all. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Seriously, he's like, I'm gonna take this, this, and drink this, and I'm gonna feel better. And that, that sucks. You know, Scott, he, man, he was, he was legendary and, and, and I don't even, I mean, I kind of hate to put this out there, but I'm, I'm a little surprised that it didn't happen earlier given his past I, with, I, with all the drugs and stuff. I, I feel I mean, exactly the same. I was I mean, like, wow. To be honest with you there, especially in the past few years, there have been uh, a handful of artists that I've been surprised when they've, when they've died. Totally. You know, Tom Petty, Prince, mm-hmm. David Bowie. I was surprised. Mm-hmm. But when when the news came down that Scott Weiland was found dead, I finally caught up. I just kind of thought, well, yeah, that kind of makes sense. Yeah, he he does. had struggled with with drugs and alcohol for years, Forever. and I mean his his band. I mean they finally had to depart with with his band because because of those issues mm-hmm. because he couldn't clean himself up. Um, Chester Bennington from Lincoln Park actually wound up touring with Stone Temple Pilots for, for about two years, almost. I for think about it two was. Years. Yeah. And I mean, look how he ended up as well. Like, right. Yeah. I mean, so maybe man, what the a, Stone Temple Pilots are killing people. What a, oh my gosh, they a, they murder and then they write songs about it. <laughs> we are we are breaking ground here, guys. Right now, <laughs> we are solving mysteries. What a blow to STP though to lose two really great singers like that though. Oh have my you heard gosh. their their new guy? I have heard Jeff of, is of Jeff Gut. Jeff Gut's his name. You know, they actually did they actually did a really cool Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) They did a really cool thing on Sirius. One of the first shows he played, they actually uh, they recorded it. They did it as a live broadcast. And uh, I got to hear some of it and uh, it was cool. Sounds good, yeah. I haven't heard him yet. I'm I'm always I'm always like weirded out when those new singers come in or new new frontmen. It's like watching a TV episode and they switch out a really important character and you're like, wait, what what yeah wait what? You know, did it, you try to match up the looks or anything? <laughs> you know, this it sort this, of works. I tell but you not what, really, this is just like the Fresh Prince of Bel Air when they switched out Vivian's. Oh yeah, you can't just go and do that. Exactly, it doesn't work sometimes. We know that's not Aunt Viv. Uh uh-uh. uh <laughs> We that know. Ain't. We know what you're trying we know to pull Aunt here. Viv. That ain't her. I know. What that you're ain't Aunt about. Viv. No, they 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 took it right from the pages of. Uh, Judas Priest. It was the the guy was in a like a tribute band. And, yeah, for sure. And they and they saw him, and you know, so he had a lot of practice, of course. And and I have no doubt that Jeff Gutt is is a talented musician. He probably sounds great. Yeah. It's just like the new frontman for Alice in Chains too. Like mm-hmm. I, I'm sure he sounds great, but it's just it's just not the same, right? Like you can't, you know, you just yeah. It, no, it's not ever gonna be. You know, I think I think so many people have a hard time getting over that. They literally think that the band should hang it up. I don't agree with that whatsoever. Yeah. I mean, and, I, and then like with Alice, they go, "Well, he's not Lane Staley." Well, of course he's not Lane Staley. He's not gonna be, but he's good in his own right. Name of the band, 
50 Cent can't be like, oh, hey, let's get a new front man. This new guy comes out, I'm 50 Cent. <laughs> that would be amazing. Uh, that would be amazing. We got here Ice Cube 2. Ice Cube 2. It's actually his son. Luckily, he looks a lot like him. He looks him. exactly like O'Shea him. O'Shea Jr. <laughs> but, holy moly. I don't know. I, I just, I can't get on board. I just I, I can't get on board, and I feel bad about it because again I'm sure the guy's great, yeah. and if somebody if if Dean DeLeo doesn't it become a cover band at that point? He kind of right like a karaoke saying. version. Where do you of cross? Those songs? Yeah, where like, is that? See, and that line's different for everybody. Yeah. Where, where does it cross that? Okay, line? so if yeah. the DeLeo brothers came and knocked on my door and were like, "We need you to be the front man for STP, Alex. You have to do it, and we're going to pay you a." A butt ton of money. I would tell my and, friends, my friend got a, a gig in a cover band. <laughs> <laughs> and I, but I wouldn't say no, and I'm sure that yeah. this guy would not say no oh, because what? he <clears throat> grew up on STP and he loved STP for years, and 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 they were influential to him as a musician. I get it, but I I as a fan There's just can't two, get on board. You know, I just can't do. It. I don't know why. When when it comes to that, the way I see it. It boils down to like two things. There's two, when you lose a singer and someone like that, there's two ways to go about it. You can go about it the way of Joy Division. When they lost their singer, they went to Dave Fumador's New Order. You can do the ACDC thing. Bon Scott's gone. They get Brian Scott, or Brian Johnson, sorry. They're still ACDC and they're still rocking it. They were both very successful in their own right. Which one was the right one? I don't know. I think it's different for each band, you know? Yep. It's 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 not an easy thing to navigate. I, I I it's can not. totally. I don't it. I don't envy them because, for because first and foremost, the DeLeo brothers and uh, homeboy Eric, Eric Kretz, Kretz, the drummer. Yeah, like they're they're originals. They're originals. And they are they, the originals, and they are they are musicians, and they're gonna keep playing as STP. I get it. Like I, I mean, I I get it. It's just it's tough for me. I don't know. I, it's a personal thing. I, I it's, just can't it's, get on yeah, board. Oh no, it's it's different for everybody. Yeah. But yeah, you got three quarters of the band, original band still there. You know, as tragic as it is that Scott's gone, they're probably not ready to hang it up yet. I get it. Yeah. I keep rocking. Well, I think uh, I think we've done it here. And with uh, that being said, Scott Wyland and STP, we're going to toast to them. Hey, let me grab my beer. <laughs> Toast. Toast to them. Here's to you. STP. In the house.
to find it to find it to find it